this life today, this, this bread of life, this bread that we'll receive, this children's bread. We thank you, Father, that you will walk through us, that you will speak through us, that your word will bring clarity and comfort to your people. Thank you for your purpose that you came, that you might destroy the works of the enemy. And we thank you, Father, that with understanding we enter into this place of your heart toward us, your purpose, your love for us, and all that you have provided for us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So very grateful today. Amen. Thank you, um, all those on the team here that's locally, but I praise God and even those that are virtual. We are so very blessed and grateful for what the Lord is doing. Thank you for the leading of the Spirit and how he is putting this together and how we're going to be talking today about the children's bread. And on behalf of um, Apostle Teresa Harvard Johnson, we thank you for this privilege and the Scribal Conservatory Arts and Worship. We welcome those that are online. Glad to have you here with us in worshiping today. We're going to talk today about the children's bread. And there's a lot of misunderstanding as we look around the landscape um, in the body of Christ of what that bread is. So we're going to break it down today of all that God has intended and prepared for us. Uh, amen. Amen. We've already gone through what our core values are. and We'll get ready um, to enter into our lesson. So here's some fun facts. We're talking a bread t- about bread today. It is estimated that 60% of the world's population, that's a whole bunch of people, eat bread daily. It takes about nine seconds for a combine to harvest enough wheat to make about 70 loaves of bread. And each American, check this out, each American on average eats about 27 kilograms of bread per year. That's a lot of bread. And I love bread, and maybe I love it too much. You know, high bread, you know, you go to a restaurant, and they bring the bread out, and it's hot. And, it, and it's buttery and just the aroma of it. So we can see why we're consumed by bread. Um, and so there are some other things. Early Egyptians sent their children to school with bread and beer for lunch. That's, that's a whole different um, story. But we eat approximately 100 acres of pizza daily and 350 slices in one second. That's a lot of bread. In medieval worship, now, we're going to go through a little bit of the history of, of, of bread. Some people believe that um, the Egyptians, you know, discovered bread 30,000 years ago. We'll prove that that is false. But in medieval Europe, bread was always a staple food. But it also had a special role. It was used as part of the table service. So a so-called trencher was a piece of stale bread and it was served as an absorbent beneath the food. At the end of the meal, the trencher was eaten, given to people experiencing poverty or fed to dogs. Now, I was just really shocked at that, you know, that you would consider, you know, people, you pour your food on top of the stale bread, and then after you eat the real good food, then you give it to the poor. Why not just give them the good food? So there was a theory that that is how pizza was originated. So rolled up, and here's some facts. A rolled up piece of white bread was used to erase graphite before rubber um, erasers were invented. It's amazing. Pre-sliced bread was banned in the United States briefly in 1943 as a wartime conservation effort. The longest loaf of bread ever baked was 1.2 
kilometers long. The sandwich is named after John Montague, the fourth Earl of Sandwich, who started eating beef between two slices of bread. Sometimes you just need to know the origin of, of how things were created. Every year in the UK, around 12 billion sandwiches are eaten. That means 380 every second. Each American consumes, on average, 53 pounds of bread annually. You want to know why we got that midsection problem? It's the, it's the bread. It is the bread. <laughs> tells, uh, would tell that eating bread, the crust of the bread makes a person's hair curlier. I don't know about that. I've, I've eaten a lot of uh, crust, but ain't nothing curlier up under here. <laughs> right. <laughs> bread has been so long with the human race and so important that many religions incorporated bread in their rituals and their traditions. And we know as it relates to Jewish custom or for us as Christians, we have communion. Um, and portions of this were taken from, and there's the link for that. Let's go back a little bit. Okay, but the bread that we're going to talk about today is different, like those two socks you see. Have you ever, have you ever, you know, got dressed in the dark or you just mismatched some socks and you put them on and then you didn't realize it until you got to work? Or even you put on two different shoes, you know, and then in the light of day it's exposed like, what in the world happened here? So sometimes because we have different theologies, different, like some of this history, um, we can see that there's a mismatch. It doesn't match, you know, and sometimes it affects what we believe about God. So you, we can have, you know, the gluten-free, the yeast-free, the vegan, cornbread, rice bread, bean bread. That was the first I had never heard of that. Pumpernickel, rye, whole wheat, barley, pita, sourdough, sprouted, multigrain white, or your favorite bread. Whatever roll you like, you might like Hawaiian bread. Whatever your roll is, whatever bread you like, what we're getting ready to talk about today has nothing to do with that. And depending on your taste, you may enjoy a good meal or sandwich with one of these breads. But this is not the children's bread. So let's talk about the sidebar. So a lot of times we see BC, and that means, you know, before Christ. And we know that term, it references historical accounts that happened prior to the birth of Christ. However, we know that he was in the beginning. So despite all the other historical information that I came across when I was researching this and it was talking about 30,000 years ago, you know, the, the Egyptians created bread, but I'm sorry, in the beginning, in Genesis, God mentions bread first. Now, so the first, so bread has been the staple food of humanity since the beginning of time, but how do we know this? The first appearance of, of lechem, which is bread, is the Hebrew word in the Bible is in Genesis 3.19, where the Lord is explaining the consequences of the fall. And he says, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So this word lechem, meaning bread in the Hebrew, is used 299 times in the Old Covenant. But what is this bread? What does the word say? What were the people looking for? You know, people are always looking for a good meal. Always looking for some good food. I'm a foodie, so I'm always looking for the next great idea about what to cook. Here's the scripture. Luke 4, 18 and 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has 
anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable, and that word acceptable means it denotes that the most blessed time when salvation and the free flavors of God profusely abound. That time, that year of the Lord. So it's for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, when I was researching this and I came across that word of Lechem, I was so surprised. Well, let me go back because I wanted to I want to um, talk about the purpose here. When he declares what his purpose is, let's look at the, the words in blue that you see. He came to preach. He came to heal. He came to proclaim. He came to recover, to set, to denote that blessed time and the salvation and free flavor favors of God. But he did all that for what? For the poor. For the brokenhearted. For those that are captive. Those that are blind and oppressed. So he had a specific purpose for that. And sometimes we can forget that's what he came to do. You know, he wants us to be, um, to grow and be blessed and really understand what he, who he is. But sometimes we forget in, in not understanding and moving into the knowledge of God and we just, we just sit back and say, okay, God, well, whatever you want to do. But there's a purpose that he wanted him to be known as the bread. In Matthew 15, 1 through 3, one through three. I don't know what's gone. Would, y'all pray for my healing here. Okay. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem. Here Jesus was. He was out. You know, one of the things that I loved about the ministry when he first started in Matthew four, everybody came out to see him. Um, Jews, Gentiles, everybody. And the scripture says that he healed all of them. He healed every one of them. So you know that when that happens. People are going to follow. So the multitudes begin to grow. And you know, whatever it was that Jesus decided to do, the Pharisees were there to spy. They just had to try to make trouble because they wanted to make sure that he was doing things according to the law and they didn't even know that he was the law fulfilled. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders for they don't wash their hands when they eat bread he answered and said to them why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition I love Jesus he was a G he didn't care he just straight to him he didn't take stuff now me I you know I don't let stuff slide (laughs) he's like I'm not I'm not even finna get into it but he would he was like no because he had to make that correction Because here they were saying these things in front of the people that he had just healed. They were always trying to um, tear down the love and the care, the heart of the father that they saw because they were so rigid. And they really didn't care that they didn't wash their hands. That wasn't wasn't the deal. They weren't coming to Jesus saying, yo, disciples nasty, they don't wash their hands. They were doing it because they had so many different rigid types of traditions that they had to do before you could even sit down to eat. Now we went through, you know, um, 
some kind of uh, rigid performance tradition that we were learning when COVID happened. You know, we were scrubbing and, and doing all kind of things. We got the uh, hand sanitizers and everything. It was beyond that. They didn't care what uh, the motive was of the disciples. They were just saying, you know what? Y'all not doing it like we doing it. And Jesus was saying, we, I don't care because you are doing it after the traditions of men. It says many ancient Jews took this tradition of the elders very seriously. The Jewish rabbi, think, listen to this. The Jewish rabbi, Jose said, he sins as much who eats with unwashing hands as he that lie with the harlot. That's how their mind thought. So they were trying to associate evil with what um, Jesus was teaching. So then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region. He left them. Um, in Sidon. So he's leaving now the place where the Jews are, and now he's getting to the place. Now he is where the Gentiles are. He had preached in his own area where the Jews were, and now he's in a place, um, and you'll see where basically what they say is Gentiles, unbelievers. But it says here, and behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Now, here she is. She's recognizing she is a Canaanite. She is not supposed to be a worshiper of Jesus. But she puts, she said, nope, nope. Listen, my daughter is sick and I need something. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. And he didn't even respond to her. He didn't say nothing. Can you imagine? And sometimes we have gotten to a place where we are crying out to God or we're asking the Lord and we are just like, Father, listen, Jesus, help. And it's crickets. You don't hear anything. You don't know what's going on. But she didn't give up. So she said, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away for she cries after us. Now she wasn't crying after them. She was going directly to Jesus. You know, sometimes that ego, man, we could send them away. They, you know, we don't have time. She went, she went directly to the Lord. She didn't go to the disciples. She didn't go to, to Peter, James, or John. She went straight to the one that had the power to answer. So, and I know she heard them. That would have discouraged some of us. Man, they don't think I'm worthy. Oh, well, you know, even though I wasn't going through them, they like his bodyguards, and they're trying to keep me away from getting to the Lord. But that didn't deter her. Even though Jesus didn't answer, and, and the disciples were saying, get, a, get rid of her. But he answered and said, I'm not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not here for you. You don't qualify for a blessing. You are not, you're not part of my, my purpose, my mission, because I'm sent to these over here. Did that stop her? No. Then she came and she worshiped. Hello. First she was asking, Lord, have mercy. Now she's worshiping. Lord, help me. Can I just tell you that there are times when you don't know exactly what it is that you need to say? You don't understand what to pray. Can I tell you that there are two words, Lord, help is a prayer. It is a most effective prayer because maybe you don't have the the memory of the scriptures of what you need in order to get the answer from God. And you just say, many times I would just like it with tears running down my face, Lord, help me. It's effective. 
Sometimes the tongues don't come. Sometimes the scripture, you may not even know how to access the scripture to ask for what you need. But help is a real prayer. So I said, Lord, help me. And he said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. He called her a little dog. <laughs> he called her a little dog. <laughs> We can be so offended by God. We can be so offended. First, you don't say anything. Your disciples got haughty and brushed us away, and I'm coming to you and worshiping you, and you call me a little dog. What is that? That, that word, that phrase denotes a house dog. So he said, I can't take the food from, I can't take the food from, the kids, everybody's sitting around at the table. Everybody is understanding. Everybody has um, their place at the table. All the, all the food is on the table, and you get your place. We used to get in trouble because we had a dog named, named Lucky. And if it was something we didn't like, we'd take that little piece of meat or that vegetable, we'd slip it on down, and Lucky would be happy. My mother would, would be mad because we were training the dog to eat from the table. So he was saying here that this is not, it's not right for me to take my, ch my children's bread and give it to the little house dog. She didn't get upset. She had already, okay, here come the third time. Now she didn't been rebuked. First she was ignored. Then she was called a little dog. And then she said, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. They fell down on accident and the little dog was down there to get it. She said, even in that, we desire the crumbs. And he said, because of her persistence, but she was way ahead of him. It didn't matter what she was saying. It didn't matter that she was ignored. It didn't matter that they wanted to push her away. It didn't matter that he called her a little dog. She said, yes, okay. I'm a little dog. I'll take that. But I'm desiring what is falling from what you've given your kids. And what did he say? Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So healing is always God's desire. Jew or Gentile. But can you understand that he said hurt? Now, he said this in two different places about great is their faith. He said it, to, he said it about the centurion to people that were standing around. But he told her specifically, your faith is great. You can go on home now. So here are some things that, that happened as this was um, going on. We need to recognize these things. Her faith was great, even compared to her other virtues. She was humble. You know, sometimes we, we like that we're humble. She was patient. She was persevering. She cared about her child. But Jesus didn't compliment any of these good things about her, only her faith. Her faith was great because it was unlikely. How, how kind... How kind of the Lord to finally get her to the place or even see that here this woman was that had more faith than even some of his own people. He called it great. Her faith was great because she worshiped Jesus. Even before she had an answer, 
Okay, we can easily slip into praise and worship when we got that thing, when we receive that which God has already um, appointed us. We can see it, we can hold it, we can taste it, we understand. We got the blessing that we were been asking for, but before she even got it, she worshiped. How can we do that? Bef- that thing that we're asking God for, can we enter into worship? Can we praise him before we get it? Usually sometimes we don't, get, we don't have that mindset. Her faith was great because it had been tested so severely. It's hard to think of a greater test than a demon-possessed child, but her faith was also tried by the seeming indifference or coldness. It seems like he was indifferent. It seemed like it was cold. She already had devastation at home, and then to come before Jesus, he ignored her. Her faith was great. Her faith was great because it was clever. She turned Jesus' word inside out. It made what might have been taken as an insult. I have to say today, I've never seen so many people that are offended about everything. I've never seen so many people that are angry about everything. You can say something or you can do something and it can be t- taken totally out of context. You don't mean it the way it's taken. And, and sometimes you're just wondering, like, why, why, why did I even say anything? Why did I even do it? Because everything that you say or do is going to be judged a million times, especially in social media. But here's the thing. Jesus himself, not the detractors, not social media, not all the other stuff. Jesus himself was like, I ain't sent to you. But she persevered and turned his word, his word inside out and made it to be an open door for faith. Her faith was great because it concerned a need that was right in front of her and a real need at that. She needed her daughter um, healed. Many people have faith for everything except those things that are right in front of them. You know, we want the big picture stuff. We want the, the stuff that's by and by and and. and if we don't see that there are some things that are internally that God wants to deal with, that God wants to heal. We want the big stuff. You know, we want the house. We want the job. We want the spouse. But there are some things that he wants to do inside of us, and we bypass that. We're troubled by it, but we don't take, want to take enough time to deal with it. All right. Her faith was great because it, she wouldn't give up. She didn't stop until she got what she needed from Jesus. And you could say that her faith conquered Jesus. He not only healed her daughter, but he did so immediately something that she had not even asked for. You know, you just do it, Lord. Take your time, just as long as you say you're going to do it. But he did it right away. But that's not the whole story. So let's review some of these um, scriptures. Matthew 4 and 4, and the devil said to him, If you are the son of bread, command this stone to become bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, this is Old Testament, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives, here it is, Concurrently, always, man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Deuteronomy 8 and 3. 
In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness. Good. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's think about here the Canaanite woman coming. She came to Jesus. She couldn't get to the the Father um, unless she came that way. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Jesus said to him, here we are. We may be looking for all manner of bread, but Jesus said, And she kind of figured it out. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So you need to ask yourself, what are you consuming? What bread are you eating? What is it causing to change in you because he said, if you're consuming me, if you're consuming my word, there's a manifestation that's going to happen. So what did he promise you? He said, ask. She did that. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. Or what man is there among you who, what does that part say? If his son asks for bread. Are you a son? Are you a son? If a son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Okay, we know those of us that celebrate Christmas. We delight in seeing our kids excited. Actually, it doesn't have to be Christmas. It could be any time. We just want to see them. And, and if you don't have kids, just kids. You like to do something that will bring that smile. He said, but if you being evil, meaning your humanity, you here on this earth, the way you do things, you know how to give good, you know how, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Matthew nineteen twenty six. Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their what? unbelief have you ever tried to help somebody and they just couldn't get it they just refused they you couldn't they didn't receive it it was like their minds were blinded they couldn't get the revelation of what you were trying to do you were trying to be kind you're trying to be good but because 
of their uh, past, maybe their history, then that kind of filters in and they weren't able to believe. Sometimes we're there. And he's ready to do some mighty works in us and he wants us just to believe. And he said, so we desire that we want this bread, but he says, without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's Hebrews 11 and 6. So let's talk about how we need to throw out the trash with some false beliefs that we have. And, and this is not just um, for physical healing. How many of you have ever needed emotional healing? Something that hurt you really bad and you just didn't seem like you can get over it. So he wants to heal our minds and our hearts, our souls as well. When the scripture says he restores my soul, that means somewhere along the line that things got messed up and got off. There was something that got in there that caused you maybe to disbelieve that God had his best for you or that caused you to believe just to give up, like it's not even worth it. Uh, I'm tired of dealing with it. But he wants a, a restoration of our souls. And I believe, this is my belief, this is Pamela 101, I believe that we were good unless there was some trauma in the womb. We were good. God sent us from heaven, and here we are, perfect just as we are. Everything that you might consider in flaw, he created you perfectly. But there's a part of the soul, since you've been on this earth, since you drew your first breath, since the doctor spanked you behind, something happened that made you, your soul needed to be restored. That part of you that, that didn't even understand that he had his best design for you because of what you may have gone through, what you experienced, or what you were taught that got your soul out of whack. And he's so willing to bring us back into that place of healing, that place of deliverance. And one of the things that I have found that um, we get to a place of unbelief just because there's a saturation of it. There's so much stuff in the atmosphere. And unless we are um, in his presence and really understand and in the word and understanding his heart, we might miss what he's... I will say that there are times I have missed what he was trying to do because my focus was on that and he was focused on this. Um, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, I was, we were in a church service and um, this person, they were so excited. You know, the preacher was preaching and, and oh my God, the people were running and shouting and it was just all good. And the person got up and they testified and they said, Lord, heal me. Well, let me back up a little bit. So you all know that tooth pain will make you want to punch a hole in the wall. I mean, that and maybe some other pains, childbirth or whatever. But your own personal pain is personal to you. When you have been in pain, you know that one thing where you were just like, I, I can't do it. So here we were in the service, and uh, this person got up and was testifying and was talking about, oh, God, heal me, God, heal me. And they took their medicine and threw it and said, I'm healed. Don't throw your medicine. I'm just telling you now. Don't do it. Stay on that medicine to God deliver you. Don't, don't throw that medicine. Well, it landed right by my feet, and I picked up that bottle. Later on, we were um, at a place of fellowshipping and everything, and that person looked miserable. 
Tears start coming out of their eyes. <laughs> I'm so reliving and laughing about it now. They were miserable. And I said, what's wrong with you? Oh, 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 my tooth hurt. My tooth hurt. I didn't give them the medicine right back, right away. I didn't give it back. I just wanted, you know, let the testimony, you know, let you come on. Stand in faith. And so finally, I, I got out my purse and held it to them. And I mean, they grabbed this like they were a crack addict. Do you hear me? <laughs> Run to the bathroom to get some water. And I was like, mm-hmm. No, don't throw your medicine away. This is not that kind of, yes, God heals. We know that. We want to use wisdom. Amen. I'm not telling you. I'm, not, I'm saying it on camera in front of many witnesses here. Don't throw your medicine away. God will heal you and you'll know when it's time. So, let's throw out the, the trash of some false beliefs. God is not mad with you. Sometimes we're going through stuff, and, and for those that have um, illnesses, and you've been dealing with them for years and years, even if it's not a long time. I've had um, some years ago, I was dealing with it. It was something nonstop, and it's bad because I worked in the medical field, and little medical knowledge will jack you up because you will be researching and thinking about the things that could be wrong. You know, you can, have, you can cut your finger, next thing you know, you have the doctor because you think you got cancer. So we need to <laughs> reel our imaginations in, but God is not mad with you, at you, or punishing you. Healing and deliverance is his will. God is good. God is a healer. So a few years ago, I started having stomach pain. It wouldn't go away. Every day, I had to go to work. I had to bear through it. I didn't understand it. Went to the doctors. They couldn't find anything. Nothing. Nothing on x-ray, no blood test, nothing. It was constant. And I was just like, Lord, help me. Lord, it became increasingly um, hard to work because I needed I need to be able to think. And when you're in severe pain, uh, all you're thinking about is that pain. So this was every day for 18 months. Every now and then I would have a day with no pain. I was like, oh, this is it. Thank you, Lord. It's gone. And then the next day it was back. And then a few months later I have a few more days of no pain and then it will be back. So sometimes we can be trained by our pain. Did you guys hear what I said? We can be trained to respond to pain in a certain way till we just won't believe that it's going to be better. We, we grow accustomed to being in pain. And I'm talking about emotional pain. I'm talking about physical pain. Finally, after 18 months, it left just like it. And, you know, at first I was like, you know, trying to feel and see what's going on day two, day three, month one, month two, nothing. And I never knew what was going on, but I was glad that pain was gone. John 9 and 2, Jesus answers the question, who sinned? You know, 
People can say that you sinned and this is why you are going through this. This is why, and it's not just, you know, in your body. You sinned or, or something is going on in your life because you sinned. It, Jesus was saying when it was the blind man, this was in um, John 9 and 2, there was someone, well, who sinned? Did his parents sin? Is that a generational curse? Y'all know what we believe about generational curse. Who did it? How did this come upon you? Jesus said, no, he didn't sin nor his family. This was done for the glory. So in what ways, and we'll get to in just a moment, what ways are you denying God his glory by our unbelief? All right. Jesus never, 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 never put sickness on anybody. Even if it's emotional, he didn't cause it. He didn't say, I'm going to just, I'm going to let this happen to her so she can fall away from the faith. How stupid is that? Jesus never put sickness on anyone. And being sick is not your fault. Now, I will say this. There's some things that we can have better lifestyles so that we don't end up in the grave quicker. You know, we can't, in a natural, and I think I said this once before, in the natural, we can't say, I can't say, you know, that I need to lose 20 pounds and I'm on my way to Popeye's or whatever my favorite restaurant is because that's, that's me. I ain't talking about y'all. I'm talking about me. I can't. I, I, I can't. I can't, I can't speed on the freeway at 100 miles an hour and not expect the highway patrol to come get me. I can't. So there are certain laws, and, and, and as much as we would like to, for it to be, you know, magic and, and, you know, poof, and then everything is done, there are some things that we have to do too, you know. Um, as good as some of our genes are, we got to work with God's process. So Jesus can only heal me one way. That's a false belief. And sometimes that's why we don't receive it because we're looking over here for him to bring the blessing. You know, we want the financial breakthrough, so we play the lotto. And we keep losing. And he's just saying, take this amount of money, go over here and, and separate that, make that bank account, go talk to Minister Veruva so you can get your stuff straight. He, he makes ways for us to get our goals. He only heals certain things. You know, we, we can hear about people being healed or, or their restoration being restored, they're healing their minds, their bodies and emotions. And we look at that person and we believe that that's how God has to heal us. He has a million ways in order to bring our deliverance and our healing. We can't box him in based on the testimony of somebody else or even the lack of a testimony based on somebody else. So here are some declarations of repentance and faith. Now, for those of you that are in here, and even those of you that are online, if you can uh, read this with me and declare it for yourself. Lord, forgive me for my lack of faith in believing that you are good, kind, and benevolent. Today, I repent by changing my thoughts about your character and my relationship with you. So if you do not understand and know the character of God, and he's always, always renewing our mind, always giving us an understanding about who he really is, expressing who he is about certain things in your life. So we have to change. When I say repent, we change our mind. We change from a a lack of faith to um, active believing that God is good, that he is beloved, that, that he loves you. 
And sometimes we may only believe that he loves us oh so much. I believe God loves me, but, you know, we, we put it against a ruler. We won't go all out and say he loves me, he's in love with me, and, and that there's so much about him that I don't know yet, but I want to. Here's the next one. I choose to forgive those that may have caused me pain. That's, y'all know how I feel about forgiveness. Let's complete that, whether physically or emotionally, because sometimes the pain that you're going through is not based on something that's going on in your body. But did you know that our minds are so fantastic that God has created us in such a way that whatever we think, it affects our body. If you wake up with good thoughts, you like it, you feel good. But those negative thoughts have a way of, of transpiring down into our bodies so that we all of a sudden, we like, gosh. And yesterday, we could have had a real good day, but then today, here's another day. So we have to train our mind to think according to what the word says. Now, sometimes that may not mean that the pain will stop in your body. But we learn by faith that we will give God the praise despite what we're going through. So I choose to forgive those that may have caused me pain, whether physically or emotionally. I release the awe, resentment, bitterness, and any self-righteousness I still hold in that incident. So a lot of times we'll say, well, I forgave them, but that incident is running circles in your mind. Sometimes you have to release the things that happened in the incident, those words that were spoken, the actions that were done, the things that caused you to, when you think about it, you go, ooh, it hurts still because we didn't do the whole forgiveness work the releasing of the art oh i forgive them but i god i resent them i forgive them but i'm still bitter about that but do you know that god loves us so much that he'll work with you he'll work that out if we are willing but a lot of times we don't want to come to him because we're afraid that he's going to touch that sore spot and he wants to touch that sore spot. He wants to heal you there. So the releasing and the, and the willingness that we respond with our willingness because he's willing. So we match willingnesses and we come away healed. I release the pain, the person and the incident, and I choose to go free. I receive the freedom and peace you have reserved for me and I receive it now. Did you know freedom is a choice? And you don't have to feel like it. Do you always feel like going to work? But you do it. <laughs> it's a choice. It's a choice. Do we always feel like staying on that diet? No. But it's a choice. Do we always feel like getting up early, doing what we need to do, we have to do to maintain a, a decent lifestyle? No, but it's a choice. So this freedom, this freedom for which Christ has made us free, it's a choice. We cannot choose and stay how we are, but we can choose and see that God is good. And in our choosing, we choose his way rather than the way that we've been doing. Okay. I come out of all verbal and mental agreements contracts and alignments that have served as idols in my life. Okay, let me pause there. So, sometimes 
we don't understand that we're in agreement with something that's out of the will of out of the character of God. We hold it up as an idol. I praise God for every medical professional. I work with doctors. I still work with them. I work with surgeons and, and different ones in my business. But now there was a time, like the person I told you about, uh, we can be worshipers of medicines. We need them. I'm not denying that. Take your medicine. But sometimes we'll substitute that for believing God. I'm saying believe God while you're taking it. Believe him that you'll be able to come into the fullness of the healing that he's designed for you. And if. So there are some things that you may never see that particular breakthrough. But you will know without a shadow of a doubt that God loves you still. That his love for you is not based on what you're experiencing in your mind or your body. While medical professionals are doing all they know to do, my dependence is upon you. I trust you. I surrender to your work in my heart and my mind, and that's where the work starts. I choose to believe that you are the word, and despite what I may be feeling, you are the truth. You said, by your stripes, I am already healed. I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me in the places where I, I'm kind of, you know, wishy-washy in my faith. Help me to stand strong despite what I see. Help me to agree with your word. Help me to dig into the promises that you've given me so that when tribulation comes, when trials come, when pains come, I know what the word says and I can stand strong. I have a track record with you. You have worked miracles in my life before. Is that true for anybody else in here? Why do we forget what God has already done? Why do we forget all the ways he's made a way, he's brought us through, healed our bodies? He's done it. This is my last story. I was at a a revival, I'll call it that. Um, There was a, a, a very famous preacher who... And he was famous, very well known, and this particular church had invited him as the speaker. And, and I'm in the back, in the last row. It's about 500 people there. I'm in the last row. I chose to be there. I'm up against the wall in the last row, minding my business. I just wanted to get in. Okay, I'm here to work, and I can get out. And he calls me out. I was like, how does this happen? he has his assistant to come get me and he gives me the word of the Lord. It was a good word. Okay. And so I go back to my seat. So later on he is preaching and then the altar call happens and he's calling all the people to the, all the preachers, all the ministers come to the altar. Everybody come to the altar. I'm sitting in my seat. Everybody, and he looks at me, everybody. I say, why is he picking on me? I'm way back here minding my business. You gave me a good word, so what's the, I don't need to come to the altar. Everybody, come to the altar. I came to the altar. I was at the back. And he did like this. He prayed, and then he went like this. I'm at the back. 
I came to, under the keyboard is blue suede shoes. What happened? That's what I wanted to know. What happened? I will not speak of the size, but I had two or three people fall on top of me. I was hurt. But you know how kids do when they hurt? (laughs) I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not hurt. Because what? 500 people there. But when the ushers pick me up, it's like, oh, she's hurt. I didn't know what happened. I was knocked unconscious. But when I came to, all I remember seeing is those blue suede shoes of the keyboardist and Elvis. <laughs> I got up. You all right? Okay, I'm all right. Any other time, I would have been able to walk to my car. It was a couple of blocks away. But I struggled. I was in so much pain. Got to my car. Drove home five minutes away. And I had stairs, outside stairs, to go up about eight stairs. I didn't know how I was going to make it. That's how much pain I was in. I found a stick on the ground to use as a cane. It took me ten minutes to get up those eight stairs. I got in my house. I sat down. I was just in pain, just pain. And I was like, Lord, I'm, how did you get, how did I get hurt? In church, that was real church hurt. How did that happen? So when I hear people saying church hurt, I say, no, nah, you ain't got no. I could tell you about some church hurt. Got in the house. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Thought if I soak, maybe, you know, some hot water, I feel bad. Nope. Four o'clock that next morning, I decided that I'm going to go to the hospital. But I'm going to go to the hospital that's near the job. They can give me some pain pills. I can go to work. Wasn't trying to miss no coins. Went to the doctor. So they're thinking that I'm a victim of domestic abuse. What do you tell them? I was hurt at church. What do you say? You know. So they examined me. I went to work on crutches. I was off work nine months. I had a bad, bad, bad sprain and um, very close fracture, you know, hip problems, back problems. And I'm trying to figure out how did this happen. So y'all know how I feel about altar calls. I'm be either up front or in the back. So do you see how that pain trained me to believe how to respond? Nine months, physical therapies, doctor's appointments, lots of medicine. And then one day, and I had a friend, part of my therapy was to walk. So she would pick me up, we would go um, to this place that had a great walking path, and we would walk. And some days I couldn't do a lot. And then as I did walk, I began to get stronger and stronger. But I was still being in pain. The medication wasn't covering it. 
I was at home, and I was just like, God, I know, you, I know you're a healer. I know you're a healer. I need to be, this, this is a problem. I need to get back to work. I'm, I'm not, disability ain't paying the bills. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes you can get dependent on that. And also, here's another idol. You can get dependent on the sympathy that people give you. It's like a drug. Well, let me testify. Ooh, that's, can I say that, Lord? That's why there are certain age groups, I'll say it like that, that I can't hang around. Because they start comparing their illnesses. Oh, my arthritis. Well, girl, that's all right, because I'm going to get my knee replaced next. I don't have time for the comparison. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to compare our different pains. I want us to compare what God has promised, even if the pains persist. So nine months I was out. And I was just, Lord, he said, just praise me. And I was like, praise me like you are already healed, like you're not feeling any pain, like you are back to work, like everything is working, everything that you desire, praise me like that. And I was like, okay, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And then I was like, oh, okay, dance, all right, do a little dance. He said, go put those heels on. Heels? Okay. Had to get rid of the fear because I thought I was going to fall. So someone had gifted me some four-inch heels. Now, you know, Mother Pam ain't doing that no more. We're we not doing that. But I went and put them on. They were brand new. They were a gift to me. And so I put them on, and I was like walking back and forth, just praising the Lord in my house. And whew, I was healed instantly. I couldn't believe it. It's like, is that all I needed to do? Now, he might tell you to do something else, but I needed that to ch- change my focus on how I had. I was so depressed. And he was just saying, just, just look to me. Stop looking at your circumstances, your surroundings, your pain. Just Believe me for what I can do. And when I did, he healed me. Before I went back to work, I needed a car. The car that I was using, it died. I was like, Lord, see this? Mm -mm." So I went to look for a car. And there were some car shops, car places, uh, maybe about six to eight blocks away, and I could walk now. So here I am, I'm walking. And I ran into this woman who was trying to sell me a dirty candle. You know, the kind that have Jesus on the outside, you know? I was just like, I want your candle. <laughs> I want your candle. And she said, I just need it. I'm trying to sell it because I need, I just want to get something to eat. I said, okay, well, hey, walk with me. There's a store here on the corner. I'll get you something to eat. So she comes in there. And she said, I just, I need money because I need something to eat. I need some money, some food for my cat. 
and some money for my medicine. So I said, what do you want? So she grabs um, some bread, cans of cat food, some milk and some other things. I said, this is not enough. So I took it back to the meat counter, pick up, give her a meat package. And she's looking at, wow. So she gets all this stuff, and then we get to the counter, and she's by the whole time she's breathing really heavy. And she says, well, can I get a pack of cools? No. <laughs> you can't hardly breathe. I'm not buying you no cigarettes. So she said, okay, okay, okay. So um, get in, pay for everything. And I just said, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. And she had her bags, you know, kind of holding them tight. And she puts the bags down, and I just briefly said, Lord, I thank you for this sister. Thank you for manifesting your love to her, and I thank you for healing her in Jesus' name. And we literally saw her hand straighten out. She had rheumatoid arthritis, and she started screaming, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. I'm healed. I'm healed. And I'm like, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> she's healed and she takes up she might have had maybe like three heavy bags on each arm and she was just crying we out on the street and I'm just like you do it like this God wow it was amazing to me and so when I remember she was so excited and I think the the thing that blessed me was because she says I've been praying I've been even at my church I've been asking them to pray and they're not listening to me (laughs) And God really wants us to get to a point where we are his answer to somebody's problem, to somebody's issue, to somebody's pain. He is waiting for us. How many times have we been, how we've passed opportunities to share him? Because sometimes we, we're like, well, if I, I'm scared you might not do it, God. I'm scared you might not heal. You might not answer. But he wants to. So give him the opportunity to do it. We have a track record with him. He's worked miracles in our life. And I'm sorry that I forgot that I already have a testimony. He's given us a testimony. We surrender our wills to yours and we choose to see your glory in this. He's wanting to see his glory in it. So now what? This this is your homework. (laughs) What do you believe now? Aren't you his child? You definitely have to know that. If you're his child, why aren't you accessing your benefits? It's in his will. It's in his will. If we knew right now that we had a distant relative and, you know, the lawyer called you and said, hey, so-and-so left you a million dollars in his will, would you be sitting all comfortable? (laughs) You'd be trying to find out everything you need to know, how that money can translate into your account. The Lord's will is already into your account. We just have to access it. We have to understand. We have to know. We have to apprehend it. There is a a measure of our faith that he's given to every man. He said, I've given it already. 
but will you access it? Will you come to me? Come to me, because I'm not going to cash you out. We can't be afraid of accessing whatever blessing that he has. What is your plan to overcome? We talked Tuesday night about the plans that we needed to have in order to secure and get into the place where um, God would desire for us. One of the scriptures that um, has been ringing in my spirit the last three weeks, be steadfast, unmovable, always. And it was like, Pamela, always, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Being steadfast and unmovable, not once a week, not once a month, but every single time. And there are times when our faith needs to line up with his will, where he wants us to understand and know and be in alignment so that he can do what he's called us to do. Tuesday night when we were that good old, um, I'll call it a woodshed (laughs) moment help to clarify every place where we've been double-minded, every place where we've been wishy-washy, every place where we have, Lord, I trust you for this, but I don't trust you for that. We trust him with our whole life. There's no other way to be. So he's asking us today, will you be made whole? When he came to the leper, he was saying, Lord, will you? And Jesus right back said, well, will you? Do you believe what I want to do? You're coming to me, but you have to be willing to go through that process. Do we really want change? Do we really want transformation? It begins in our mind. Romans, I believe, 12 and 1 says, and be ye transformed by the renewing of our mind. What are we renewing our mind? You can renew your mind in anything. You can renew it in the right thing or the wrong thing. Number four, where has your faith been challenged? Review that. Because we've all been challenged in our faith. It could be anything. It could be anything. It could be something in the natural. It could be something in the spirit. He wants us to review that and allow him to move us through to his promise. Number five, it starts in your mind. What thoughts will you change? Will you change your thoughts about how you feel about him? Maybe you're angry at God. Maybe he didn't do what you thought he should do. Maybe he didn't do it in the time that you thought. You know, we put God on a timer like you have in the kitchen so you can talk about, so, so you can see how long the meal should take to prepare. Sometimes we have God on a timer. Tuesday, God. Tuesday. Do it Tuesday. And we good. But if you do it next Tuesday, we not good. If you do it next year, you know we not good. So take him off the timer. He's, he's eternal. He's outside of time. He does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. He's sovereign. We have to understand. I think there's a holy reverence that comes when we put God in, in his proper place in our hearts and mind that there's nothing that he can't do through and for you. And I mean that because our understanding is enlightened and that we know the plan of God. So we don't get upset by other things when it doesn't work out our way. But we are satisfied when we understand that he has a plan and a purpose for us, no matter how it looks like. So what thoughts will you change? Change about him? Change about yourself? Change about the people in in your environment? 
there has to be a transformation. That's real repentance, not crying and blubbering. And, that's not repentance. You may cry over some things, but the real change is in your mind, that you change, that you allow that mind to be transformed. And when your mind is transformed, you'll see um, his miracles. So that bread of abundant life, he is the bread. That's the thing. Can you imagine that that was the thing that um, Satan tried to get him when he was, you know, being tempted? Make these stones bread. And Jesus was like, I am the bread. I don't have to do none of that because I am the bread. Amen. So we're so grateful. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your healing power that has come to break every shackle in our minds, God. Every place that we have erected as a monument, as an idol, we tear down now. Even, Father, for some of those, even um, maybe watching later or even online now, Father, there are things that they have just given up. I thank you that you're restoring their soul. Father, even there are some, Father, that it's an impossibility what they're thinking, what they're saying, what the doctors have said, but you have said in your word that with you all things are possible. I thank you that you are the healer, healing of our minds, Father, the troubling thoughts, the things that perplex and oppress your people. I thank you, Father, that we send your word and you heal them. I thank you that you're the God of all flesh and there's nothing too hard for you, no matter what we think about it. So I'm asking, Father, that you would speak peace to that inflammation in the body. Speak peace. Father, even the inflammation in the thoughts, in the minds, I ask God in the name of Jesus that you would move on this line, that there's healing from the top of the heads to the soles of the feet and everything in between. I thank you, Father, that we are coming into alignment with your promise. I thank you, Father, that every thought that is contrary to your promise we cast down. We thank you for having the opportunity to come with you, to come to you. We thank you that that the bread, that you are the bread, and, Father, that bread is living within us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So, Father, in case we have forgot, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the restoration. We thank you, Father, for your healing. We thank you that we come to know you more than anything. We take on, Father, image and likeness, and we understand who you are. We thank you for growing us up and keeping us in a place of further pursuing your will and your knowledge we for, thank you for forgiving us for father for being lax when it came time to even know you further even share with others who you are thank you for tearing down every idea that was wrong that father have shown you to be other than a good good father everything that showed you to be faithful everything father that showed to you to be benevolent and merciful we thank you we make that great exchange we thank you father for everything that you're doing in us right now thank Thank you, Father, for every dead thing falling off. Thank you, Father, for our minds being renewed. Thank you, Father, for being so kind. Thank you for being the healer that you promised to be. So I am asking, Father, that we would find that alignment. Thank you for giving us the patience to wait on you. Thank you that you're allowing us to wait in praise and worship and that we come to you we understand we're coming to you in praise we're coming to you in worship we will not father be discouraged 
for the absence of what we think is the manifestation of your healing. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We thank you for your name that is above every name. And that name is above every illness, every sickness, every melody, every mindset. Father, I thank you. And we thank you, Father, that as our minds are renewed and as we submit to you in obedience, we give your name the glory, the honor, and the dominion that is already yours. And we call it done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise.